Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know... You can be all the things you always wanted to be. Beautiful, sexy, easy as one, two, three. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine through. Just let your soul I'm Mouse Jones. I'm Flora. We're a little. And we are back for the part two of the dose. This, this great story. We have the pleasure of having Will Little um, from the from the Behind the Bullet um, documentary that just dropped everywhere on streaming, as well as the Emmy uh, Award winning documentary uh, Power Forgiveness, Philadelphia's own. Just a brother out here, really. When when somebody says they're out here saving the community, out here doing the work, um, this this is Will Little. Um, so thank you for coming back and um, finishing up with us. Um, wow. Okay. Wow. That's, that was my phone. <laughs> yeah, come on now. It's Bills. I don't think y'all want to talk to Bills anymore. No, not right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe later. It's Bills. He, I think we've talked to him enough. Um. So, yes, uh, before we jump back into it, we, we continue to thank you guys for tuning in and listening, rocking with us, continue supporting us. Uh, subscribe everywhere you listen to podcast apps. Um, steal your grandmother phone. Subscribe there. Gran- Granny need to hear this. Granny info. need to hear the good stuff. That's going on on this podcast. Uh, ladies, if you're going through your man's phone, send yourself some money. Cash app yourself some money or something. Um, and then subscribe to the podcast. Uh, right. Fellas, don't be going through women's phone. Um, but if you do, check the group chat. Um, <laughs> and most importantly, subscribe to uh, subscribe to the podcast. Um, follow us on Instagram, guys next door underscore. Um, you matter of fact, go like the picture. Go put... 13 hearts underneath the picture right now. The last picture on our Instagram, go like, go put 13 hearts underneath the picture right now if you really fuck with us. 13. Um, as well, if you want to continue the conversation on Twitter, using the hashtag guys next door. Not boys next door, them next door, guys, yo, no, guys next door. And uh, if you want to get a letter read on air, it's very simple. All you have to do, write in to guys next door, one, two, three, at gmail.com in the subject line if this is a relationship based question to save your anonymity you should put your own name because if not we're gonna say what's in front of us shout out to jasmine um and last but not least pictures you have to put your pictures in there um if this is relationship based the only way this question is getting answered we have to see what we're working with here okay? absolutely it's just absolutely. that at this point you know <clears throat> y'all know we don't gotta explain why 
a Ryan win or how? Canoodle Corner. Are they still no. slacking? Yeah, they slacking, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start uh, doing it my damn self. Because it's, it's the one when the month's about to be here. Niggas gonna. I might you. start going on dates. You gonna go on dates? Yeah, I might. Do you try to catch on for the cup? I season? might do. I might do a Canoodle Corner for me. That's you, crazy. You just, broke, you just broke the internet now. That's you know crazy, that, right? right? You just broke the internet now. I did. Yo, you, your DMs about to be broke. Yeah, we'll see if it's the right break. <laughs> it might if, be a hairline fracture. Let's see if she catches the right break. Bug it up. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have the good brother on from Philadelphia. We do have uh, Will in here. So, we the way we finished off last time. The way we finished off was you uh, coming home. Yes. And, and you you're in the halfway house. In the halfway house. And I asked you, what was your mindset returning? Do you remember that quote you used? Right. Open that up. Progress that. over pride. Bang. Progress over pride. What is that? What does that even mean? What that means is I know that a lot of uh, people want to live how they used to live once they get out of jail. You know, I know you hear like a million stories in one, uh, how a person uh, was getting money on the streets or how much they was making and how many girls they I had. I was getting it, bro. I was yeah. getting You don't even know it, bro. I was <laughs> back getting there, back I, I, I had 14 Nigga. cars. Yeah, you know it was back then. You know, price was cheap. So, you know, it was points on the package. 13 sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> I had it all. <laughs> I'm going to get it like I always got it, basically. Right, right. Um, so, with, with me, I knew that was the, the hustle thing was out for me because... Um, I knew it would turn me right back, revert me back to the same behavior that I had before. And in order for me to be successful uh, in this transition and walk 11 years off after seeing people come right back in as a revolving door, I knew that progress over pride was very important. I mean, when I left the prison, I took a vivid uh, picture of the prison when I walked on that gate. Like mentally? Mentally. Because my, actually my cell was facing the gate when people leave and come in. So wow. every morning I woke up, I looked at the gate and said, one day I'm going to walk out. Was that, that was that um, inspirational or was it like torture? No, it was inspiration to me because I knew it was going to happen. So you saw a lot of people come back through that door that left. Yeah, right, exactly. Holy you know, shit. Within weeks. That's probably the inspirational within part. Within weeks and days. You know, So it's just kind of your first time on parole and or your first time on be on parole uh, is basically like, all right, well, if you doubt yourself, saying like, "All right, I got like ten years to walk off, or you no, know, eleven years to walk off," and I got, I know I'm gonna come back to jail because I got all this time to walk off because everybody's felon. Everybody go home, come back. I mean, so you have that stigma in your mind that you might come back to jail. For me, it's like I had to fight against that. Like, no, I ain't coming back to jail. I ain't never coming back. So when I walk out the gate, I look back at recidivism myself. Is, recidivism is a real thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely real. It's like seventy percent rate. Shit. You know, within three years, mostly everybody's coming back. Happy to be a part of that 30. I mean, so That's a fucking fact. Yeah. So walking back, when I walked out that gate and I looked at that cell from where I was standing at, looked at the trees, looked at the mountains, and like, look, this this is it for me. I ain't never coming back unless I come in teaching. You know, so um, I left. I came home, uh, tried to get a job. I was in the halfway house, and I was getting turned down because uh, a thing was going on with my... My record, I didn't even know this was going on. When you go on file and look at my record, it says I has two homicide convictions instead of one. All right, so my application was going straight in the trash. I didn't find this out until I went to Canada uh, two years ago. I was trying to get in Canada, and they wouldn't let me in. All right, and because um, they don't let nobody. You, you're banned from Canada forever if you have a homicide. Man. 
<laughs> Don't get me started on Kimchi. So <laughs> that last time I went, I was oh man. I mean, real quick, real short with that story is like basically they approved me to come in now because of what I do, the okay. kind of work I do. You know, but uh, when I came home, it's like all right now I can't go back to you know hustling. Even though my friends were still out there, we still had hustle, had coke and all that stuff like that. How how was the? Sorry to cut you off. The the your Cody's. How was their transition? Did they? Well, they came. Some came back. You know, okay. They got locked up. Came back because they got out six years. They did six years. They got out before me, like four years before me. So you saw them come back? No, they, I went to the same job. Oh, uh, they but they went back somewhere yeah, else. Went back. Yeah, like twice. I think they went back once or twice uh, before they got together. Uh, but um, <clears throat> even with that, for me, it's like I ain't coming back. I ain't. I mean, you know, I'm gonna beat the system. You know. And I'm gonna beat all the odds that's facing me against me. You know what I mean? Because you know, second chances was out when you come. You got a felony that's such as mine. Like you want to get no job nowhere. You want to get accepted in the community. No programs. None of that stuff. You can't even get a, rent a get an apartment because they're doing background checks. And I didn't know it was that severe. But you know, you had to adapt and adjust to the environment. And um, I eventually got a job in a warehouse, working in a warehouse, um, doing forklift driving and stuff like that. How long in between your release? In the time you got a job, uh, about uh, probably two weeks. I got to hook up. My cousin worked there, and she vouched for me, you know. And um, they brought me in. But the thing when they brought me in was it's all about usury. I mean, I want to use you because you just like they had a lot of Asians working in the building. I mean, so they're paying them minimum wage, pay me minimum wage because I'm a felon. I think I ain't gonna get no job nowhere else. And um, they was using that against me, holding that on my head. So I worked there for like a year, year and a half. And I was like, I got to do better than this. I can't. I mean, I can't take care. Of now I got a second son, so I can't take care of my two. Oh, sons. you got right back to it. Yeah, you got right to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, he thirty. He thirty. Like, yeah, come on now. Yeah. Come on. Look, I'm thirty now, but I got two right now, and thirty has me like, you know, I could, I could, I could. Yeah, I but you ain't, two more. you ain't sit. You ain't sit. I. He was like, I'm. I'm we gotta. We gotta Look, make this happen. You made up for lost time. Exactly. For sure. For sure. I mean, so um, with that, just working there now, working with both of them, my sons and my girl at the time. You know, having a job, having a car, too, as well. So I got a lot of bills packing up. Now I'm learning how to work financially. I mean, get more financially literate. And uh, basically just trying to manage everything as a household and everything else. How scary was that first week home? Um, like, because you, you go in and you go in 89. Right. You don't come home until 98. Yeah. That's 11 years. Like, between, between all that time. So you come home, there's cell phones. Mm-hmm. There's email now, but obviously in its infancy. But right. um, you know, there's laptops, computers, right. Right. all of this. Like, how? That's my biggest fear, right? Like, that's what everybody's. I'm always like, I can't go because I I got friends that got locked up with. I got friends that got locked up when we was 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Them niggas have no idea what an iPhone feels like. Right. Them niggas do not know nothing about an iOS update. Like they'd be. You see how many iOS updates there is right now? My niggas will come home and be fucked up. Yeah, of course, you get what I'm saying? So what is what was that like? How how scary was that first week home? Well, I mean, it was it was it was scary to in a, in a sense because for me, even walking across when I got released, I told my, my family, meet me at McDonald's in the gallery. I mean, gallery was like a little mall yeah, yeah. downtown. So me crossing the street, across Market Street was was scary to me. Like my time was off, everything was off. Like I'm Jay walking. Trying to get across the street is like a scary moment for me. Something like normally you were playing traffic. But mm. even with that part, it was kind of scary because I wasn't even adjusted right. I mean, I know that change is crazy. Yeah. 10 years? Yeah. What, t- what 10 years can do for especially 89 to 99? Think about it. He came, he went in 
crack was hitting. He went in. He went in. Crack was not just hit. Crack was beating that crack shit was, out. Crack of was us. booming. Yeah, that's a, that's he goes in. But look, let's let's even keep it a bean. Like let's stay, let's keep it. Well, we all know. Let's keep it hip hop, right? Eighty nine. He goes in. Public Enemy is running the is Fact. running the game. Right. You get out. You come home. DMX just. He come home ninety eight. DMX is DMX released three albums in. Like, yeah. <laughs> it goes from that type of rap to that type of rap. Exactly. So, so what was that like? What was that transition? Well, we, we heard, but you heard it. In jail. We heard all that. I mean, and and then know? plus the yeah. with the people coming in and out, yeah, they're and bringing they're, they're that. Talk, they're talking com- about it. Talking about Biggie Smalls. You hear on the radio. You got CDs. You got. I mean, what I was it like when uh? What was it, tapes and all that. What was it like when Biggie and Pac died in there? Because I know Philly. Philly is East Coast, but I know there's a lot. I know. I know too many Pac fans from Philly. Yeah, it, was so a sad, I, it was a sad moment for a lot of people. I mean, like, did the jail have that sullen feel? Yeah, that the rest of the world had. People was hurt by it. Yeah, people was hurt by it for sure. I mean, even with me being a, I was a Pac fan and then kind of didn't like Pac a little bit when he went on the East Coast, yeah, side, West Coast side. You transferred, you transferred yeah. to, to to the Biggie. I know, yeah, I know. Biggie it, was always my man. He's, I mean, yeah. so. I knew he had a good energy. Yeah, I, I knew. I seen the biggie he was talking. It it it, uh, yeah, it, like, it, it glowed we, off of him. I knew my man would have a good energy. I seen, seen the bid. I seen the biggie. I seen the bid. It's all right. It's all right. Big was real. I mean, I think Big was realer than Pop. Basically. Most definitely, without a, without a doubt. I mean, so, without a doubt, he was himself. He was himself. Pop was the waves. You know what I'm saying Pac was whoever the people around him right. wanted him to be exactly. at the moment. Big was that. Big was just big. Hmm? Yeah, for sure. So I was feeling big for sure. I mean, classy. I mean. I mean, how was niggas getting? Because you, you know, niggas is fly outside, mm-hmm. but once you come in jail, you know. And my dad did sometimes, so he's telling me about like you know the fly niggas. Some niggas is, is I mean, he did the time in, in in New York, but he's like the fly niggas. They pressing they they mm-hmm. uniform. Like yeah. how how was that? Like was people still you try to keep it street? Like how yeah? How yeah. are you keeping yourself? Try to keep yeah. You try to keep the outside inside as right. As like much how as you can. keeping yourself throughout these nine years? Well, mainly it's for me. It was like um, when I first got locked up. It was like still street mentality. I mean, I was still playing ball. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about my case. Like y'all playing ball, you go out to get life in jail. Like some old heads tell us, like, man, I ain't thinking about that. I'm, 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 I'm living I'm the moment right now. You know what I'm saying I'm trying to keep myself up. So playing ball, lifting weights, start start working out more, start boxing. And I was in jail. I mean, doing activities that can keep me occupied, basically. But then when I got to the, the reading, the self-awareness, studying stuff, and I started studying more religion. That's how I became Muslim. Um, I started studying about life in general. Um, and then um, trying to just deal with my family on the outside, watching my son grow up, keep in contact with them, write letters, uh, write poetry. You know, I was into really, like, writing poetry, mm-hmm. so, like, therapeutic poetry. Mm-hmm. Um and then just mainly just focusing on me, like I mean, my development. I, I turned the state penitentiary into my Penn State. Basically. Wow, I mean, so, boss! Wow, you so, flipped the biggie bar there too. <laughs> I, mean, so I really like this guy. This is my favorite episode. I'm not gonna lie to you. Beautiful. Done a lot of episodes this this year. It's my favorite episode. This Somebody flipped the biggie bar. Fine. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that's how I adjust and adapt. I mean, and like I said, the more I got to learn myself, the more I was able to. Uh, navigate uh, my way through that system and out that system. And I didn't really find my voice until, because I was always a quiet, reserved person, so I never found my voice until a group of college students came into the, the Pittsburgh, the Greensburg um, jail. And they was walking around the jail and they was looking at everything, my father. They was looking at everything in the jail, the, the, the phones in the yard, the free weights, the gymnasium looking really good, better than their recreation centers. Hmm. Um, the the the, um, the college degrees you can get while you in prison, 
uh, HBO, the cable we had on there. And she was like, you know, it was like probably six or seven blacks and five whites. And they was like, let me rest in here in the, chi- in the staff down the hall because I was working in the staff down the hall. And I was like, yeah, you can work in here. You can rest in here while counting go on. So we said, can, they said, can we ask you a question? I was like, why not? She was like, um, we walked around this prison and we see y'all got phones in the yard, y'all got phones in your block, y'all got HBO, y'all got cable, y'all got good food, y'all got a gymnasium, it's a state of the art, I mean, free weights and all that stuff like that. She said, how is this prison? How is this punishment? So I thought about it and I was like, I looked at it and I looked at all the rest of them and I was like, it's not for us. She's like, what you mean? I said, it's not for us. It's really against us. She said, why do you say that? I said, well, if you think about it, have you ever been on vacation before? Mm. She said, yeah. You ever been to like Bahamas or something like Jamaica? Yeah, Jamaica. I said, all right. When you went to Jamaica, how they treat you? They treated me good. How the hotel was? It was good, right? Yeah. The like, atmosphere was good. Everything was good. She said, yeah. I said, okay. So would you go back? She said, yeah, I'll go back. I think about prison the same way. Mm. It's a revolving door. Mm. They want to make you comfortable. They want to make you happy. They want to get you um, in a state that where as though you don't mind coming back. It could be your second home. Why? Because it's a market. It's a business. It's money. I mean, I studied like the prison system when I first when I was in jail. Around that time, I was studying about the prison system. Uh, that con- but that was before it had became so privatized. Right. But talking about the penitentiary, which was the first penitentiary was in Pennsylvania on Walnut Street. Mm. And it, the Quakers had built that, that prison, right? And it stood for penitence. So when a person would go to jail, he'd be, he'd have penitence about what he'd done and kind of, you know, change his life around, you know, feel sorry and everything else, change his life around. That's why they had a uh, house of corrections. Yeah, it's the correct, like yeah. But now correct it's like reform. the DOC, Department of Corrections. Mm-hmm. And now it's like mostly like about money, privatization and, and, and investing and stuff like that. So. Little Debbie, she's getting millions of dollars in that joint. Billions of dollars. I ain't buy a little Debbie when I came home since. <laughs> <laughs> That's the shit. Because they, they catch you with that candy and all that, all that sweets. You yeah. lose your teeth in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you remember when you remember when Star, when, when Star was on here, she was talking about- I wasn't there. What? No. But I knew some people yeah, like- when I was there that was missing teeth. And I was like, how? They was like- Cupcakes, you know, you, you know, you know, they make the, the, the they call it the. Well, I was at it was a birthday cake. Where yeah, they take they all the, cake, all the, the snacks and they just the mix them, cake. mix them yeah. things up, Put everything together. So that 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 alone, your teeth will very they'll suffer off that. I think the most important question I would have, at least in in, in this part, mm-hmm. when you you're now home, you're working. What is the relationship, and what is the like the phase of the relationship that you've went through with your son, because. He's growing up without you there, right. and now you're back. Right. And then he had to also grow up nine years without you there. Mm-hmm. So that itself is a mental adjustment. Mm-hmm. Now he has to grow with you there and deal with, I don't, like, you know, I, I don't want to speak for him, but I know when I speak to a lot of my friends who grew up with parents who was locked up, there's a sense of abandonment. Right. Even if the parent didn't abandon, like, even if they were as present as possible. Right. right. You're not there. Right. So, like, what was that relationship and what, what are those phases that you went through with your son um, during your, your transition home? Well, the phases didn't really um, start and making an impact until he got into teenage years. Right. Right. But um, my son, he's just like me. 
I mean, his character is just like mine. Mm-hmm. So mild, ten years old. Yeah. I mean, quiet, laid back, don't express himself, don't say too much. I mean, try to deal with things on his own. You know. So what I did was when I first came home, I was in the halfway house, ninety eight to ninety nine, and when I got out. I was going back and forth to Atlanta because his mom moved to Atlanta mm-hmm. the same year I got out, basically. Yeah. Right, so I was upset about that. Why we wait till I come home then move? Right, so um, I started. I said, "I'm going to get my son." I mean, like my father didn't do for me. He didn't come down Philly and get me. So I got in my car, drove down Atlanta, picked him up. Like one summer, the next summer, then after that, I was like, "Look, let me just take him. I mean, let me just raise him because I, I need to raise him. He's getting like teenager now, twenty mm-hmm. years old." I mean, so she let me have him, brought him back home. And I want to see what it's like to, to raise a child. That's you know? that's that's yeah, amazing that she let that happen. Yeah, I know a lot of my friends struggle with that mm-hmm. just to see mm-hmm. their child. So right. yeah, that's, it was that's a, a that's a blessing. It, it was a knockdown drag out fight for me to get custody of my oldest daughter. So like, well, her, man, we always had a good relationship, regardless mm-hmm. if I was in prison or not. That's why I think more so. She was like, okay, and then there was a trust there. She struggled. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. so it was raising. Then she had another daughter too okay. while I was in so jail. She had two kids. Yeah. Okay. So at the same time, I was like, look, let me just take him and let me experience that. You all the years you had him, now it's my time to do it. Dope. So she was like, all right. So um, I started raising him up. Then it's raising him. Then take him to school. Things I wanted to do. Things I imagined doing when I came home. Take him to the mall. Doing things with him. I mean, playing ball with him and stuff like that. So the relationship was, the connection was really good. I mean, I started learning him. I had to watch him to learn him, you know, and ask him certain questions because I know he was just like, this guy just like me when I was a kid, you know. But when I got, when he got older in his teenage years and he started venturing out and having like friends and friends on the street corners and they hustling and stuff like that, a lot of the stuff, when I wrote my book in 90, in 2008, my nephew, Kay Walker, yeah. he read the book, right? He's like, yo, um, Unk was like, he was like the man on the street. And he's like, well, he know that anyway from him just being in the street. People yeah. telling him about his own. Like when I came home, I was on a preppy tip. Though. I had my little glasses, spot glasses on, um, vested suit. I mean, all that stuff on work, walking there. He's like, I ain't see the person. But like K Walker always said, I ain't see that person that everybody was talking about. Right, 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 right. right. Seeing it different. I said, well, that's good. So now I understood my son. You know what I'm saying, and my son didn't believe nothing in my book. Mm. Right, he's like, y'all believe that? He told me, he tell K Walker, y'all believe that? I ain't my papa. Ain't Him and K Walker the same age? Yeah, they, okay. K Walker older, I'm a year older. Than them. Okay, right. So K Walker's like, yo, that's that's your dad. Like that's that's his story. He's like, man, I don't believe it. So my son really didn't believe all the stuff I was doing based on my book saying. I mean, so um, it was took a while. Like now he believe it. I mean, but it took a while for him to like really understand like the transformation I made. And I understood he didn't believe it because he didn't see the enemy, which was good for me. Like you don't see none of that in me. You don't see none the of that kids character. are very much a C. Yeah, if he'd have been a different yeah. person if he would have knew that was you from right. jump exactly. instead of you teaching or instilling those things that happened in the back of the day to to what it is now. Right. I mean, so for me, it was like a plus. Like, all right, I did change because he didn't. See, he don't see that kind of attitude in me. He don't see that kind of mentality in me or that kind of aggression. You know I'm saying I don't use that. Like some dudes come home and they got a, like a homicide or they shot somebody. They want to use that as leverage That's for them yeah. to have some kind of respect on the street. Yeah. I don't, that was you didn't care nothing about, nah, the respect care nothing about the that. That was that was nonsense to me. I mean, I just cared about being real. I mean, so it was a real situation, a real um, experience, and now I'm looking to do better. I mean, the reason why I, got, I was in that situation because of ignorance. So I want to stay ignorant, or do I want to get smart? I want to be educated. So. Um, just, I, that, I felt like that was an attack on me. Like that was such a, like that was such a poignant point. <laughs> yeah, like that was like, such a poignant point. Yeah, boy. Because that, that that's me. Right. Like and everybody listen, Brian, to tell you, everybody in this room tell you, like that's me. Mm-hmm. Like I struggle so much with 
with with just I have this like fuck it factor. Like mm. you know, I don't like I tell everybody I only care about being a man at the end of the day. Right. And and being a man ain't what you describe it being a man is when I go to sleep at night and I ask myself, was you a man today? Mm-hmm. That means I checked off all my check marks. Like, I had to stand tall on what you believed in. Right. Did you, if niggas violated you, did you handle the violence? Did you tolerate disrespect? All of that mm-hmm. shit. And I'd be, I'd be ready to throw bread away over. Like, just, uh-huh. it'll be, it'll be a simple, like, just disrespect. And I'll be like, right. <clears throat> I'll have to tell him, like, yo, we, you can handle this another way or we can get this money and we can just let this shit ride over. Yeah. Then we go back and forth but then at the end of the day he realized, he like, yo, you right. Well, you gotta hit, you gotta hit him with that progress over pride next time. Oh no, we yeah. using that. that it, I, I'm telling you right now, it's probably gonna be a tattoo. Tatch, that's what I was about to say. I'm probably gonna get a tattoo like, and when you right. see it, just know, yeah. Will, that's you. Right. Like, but yeah. that's that, but that's the shit, that's what it's about, right? Like, that's right. what about, I, that's what, I, me personally, that's what I, I, I literally love about your activism that it's, mm. it's not just Protest and nothing against you need to protest, act, but I think people need to realize like there's other facets and faces mm-hmm. of activism. All right, boom, you gonna fight the front line, you gonna fight the racial injustice and poverty, right. boom, boom. But Will and his people, they gonna be inside the community, right? And they gonna be talking to the the. So when so when we do get the when we do get answers for the racial injustice and all that, that will be prepared mentally and emotionally right, right. to deal with it and really move forward mm. than just looking like sheeps in a herd. Right, right? exactly. Well, they're programmed. You know what I'm saying? So the thing is about, we were programmed to our environment and our community. So I had to deprogram myself. I mean, I understand like, what, so is, hard. What, is, what is my true value? It's so hard. I'm telling you this, right? Everything is hard. Like I tell my students, everything is hard until you start doing it. One plus one was hard at one time. Mm-hmm. Right, so the simplicity in it is more so that the more you practice, the more you get better. Repetition. You don't get like, perfect. You it's get just better. like the gym. Right. Yeah. So exactly, it's like the gym. Like we, all three of us, me, Brian, and Mac, we in the gym heavy, mm-hmm. and it's literally just like that. It's like, mm-hmm. like I'll watch myself. Like I, I'll look at myself. Like, damn, this shit heavy, but it don't hurt no more. Right. Exactly. Like I feel it working, but it don't hurt no more. You know what I'm saying? It's like. But see, that's the way we think when it comes to doing something different. Right, discovering our difference, and when you think that way, you kind of deter yourself from really accomplishing something greater mm. than who you are. I'm mm. saying at the moment, right? So who are you going to be in 2020? Who are you going to be 2021? That's the question you should be asking yourself every Somebody year. who did not vote from Trump. That's right. what that I was doing in 2020. That was me in 2015. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, somebody. Um. You know? So 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 you're out. You and your son too. Mm-hmm. Two. Do you and your two sons? Yeah. Right. All right. And that'll be the last question because I know people, I'm the same way about my kids. I don't want to talk about my kids all the time. But um, so was there ever or are there ever, or maybe you don't even know, maybe this is a conversation they've had um, personally. Was there ever a jealousy from your older son to the youngest son because he's had, he's had you from the very beginning mm. and... Your oldest son missed nine years, or or at least missed your your physical presence for nine years. No, not at all. Just I say the beauty in the beauty in. I'm glad my sons picked up my characteristics. Both of them, right? That's dope. I mean, so the beauty in that is more so that like my son, he don't he don't sweat small stuff. Neither one of them do. I mean, they're focused on something that's probably major if, if it comes up. But if not, they're working out themselves. I mean, so none of them have really like jealousy. They they they're connected by by the hip. That's dope. You know what I'm saying with each other now. How many years? Well, they ten years apart. The ten. Yeah, ten years. I, 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 how how old are they now? 
Um, my oldest son is 29. My other son is 19. It's like yeah, my, so me yeah, and my, like my little brother 22. I'm 30. Yeah. Yeah, I think out of all my siblings, I think my youngest, um, well, no, not anymore. I have a seven-year-old sister now, so yeah, yeah. the ages range. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Big old. Um. Okay, so now you're out. You're working. How long are you still at the warehouse? No, I actually leave the warehouse two and a half years later. I, I kind of like stayed quit. there for two years. Yeah, I kind of like quit, and I went to Pepsi. You know, Pepsi Cola, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to Pepsi, and um, they told me they was hiring over there. I filled the applications for warehouse work. Yeah, for warehouse mm-hmm. work. I mean, because they was they was paying seventeen dollars an hour now. I'm hey. I want to get over there. Where the money is at? I goes over there. Seventeen dollars an hour. I get two interviews. You know what I'm saying with both the um supervisors. I told him about my history as far as the homicide stuff like that. It's like, bet, coming for orientation. So now I'm excited, I'm hyped, go back to the old job, like, yo, I'm out of this joint, I'm done. You know what I'm saying, I mean, y'all can stay over here, y'all can go over here with me, try to come over there, whatever. So I just quit the job. I ain't give him a two week notice, none of that stuff, right? So the Saturday comes, I get a letter in the mail from corporate here in New York, right? Pepsi. Yeah. So they're like, yo, we cannot accept your um, application because your background check came back and uh, we can't. Uh, but we you told them. Yeah, but that's the corporate now. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, you know gotcha, gotcha. So it was a higher grounds. So basically, like, um, now I'm out of a job. So my girl's like, yo, why don't you go back to your old job? No, I can't go back to the old job. You flipped. Yeah, I flipped on that joke. <laughs> I mean, plus, that, and he was like, kind of dude that has his foot in your neck. Like, he was a black dude, though. But mm-hmm. He has your foot in your neck. And he's like, you can't get no job nowhere else. So I couldn't deal with that. I was, I probably went upside his head or something. So I got to control my anger. I said, I know me. So I'm not going to put myself Just in a situation. Don't even go back there. I so. Mean, so now you're looking for a new job. In ten, so, so in 12 years mm-hmm. you've worked, even because right. in even in jail you were working. Right. right. So now you are on the streets, a felon. Are you on parole? Yeah, on parole. Two kids. Two kids. Two sons. Mm-hmm. You and you have custody. Oh, you you have physical custody of over one of them, mm-hmm. and now you have no job. Right. In a car. In a car, you got bills. Insurance, yeah. What's happening? Like, what in your mind? In my mind right now, at this moment, is like, because I'm, I'm in a spot I've never been in before. Mm. I'm in a situation I've never been in before. Because even so. back even back in the day, you was right. getting money. He was right. getting bread. Exactly. He so couldn't go, like, he didn't want to go back to what he was doing. Right. So that's, that's come a thought in your mind. It pops in your head. I was about to ask. So does, does ever that you say, nah, I was good. I could, I could, I I could get it back. Cool. I could get right. I mean, I, I, knew I, I knew I could. I knew I had the, the trust of the streets. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I knew I can go hustle again, but more so that I'm looking at my sons. I mean, like, that's not the way. And I knew, like I said, I, you got to have patience. I, I'm, a per, I'm a patient person, so I do have patience. So I tell myself, well, you got to have more patience. You got to have patience. Something's going to happen. Something's going to come through. And I believe, like, with every hardship, there is ease, right? Mm. And with every hardship, I mean, the greater the reward. You never hear that. Right. You literally never hear that. Everybody always say with great kindness. Like, explain that. With every hardship, there's Ease. Well, actually, that is, that's a verse in the Quran, mm. right? Uh, and Allah says that with every difficulty, there comes ease, right? So understanding that, like, you know, you have good times, you have bad times. Mm-hmm. But it's also how you look at it, how you see the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, because a bad time for you may not be a bad time for me. So it's all about our perception of it. So with my perception of that moment is like saying, okay, what am I going to do? I've never been in a situation like before. I got to have a job. I know it's hard for me to get a job anywhere else. But I'm not gonna go back to the street. I'm not gonna do that. So I gotta figure out something. So that that was your hard time. Right. That was my hard time. <clears throat> struggle. It was a challenge. I mean, but within that challenge, the, the door opened up. A real door opened up because a barbershop opened up the corner of my block. 
Right. That's another thing. Niggas from Philly can fight and cut hair. <laughs> it's in their DNA. Niggas are born with the ability to give you a fire shape up. Razors and razors. Well, take it to your shape up. Either one or two. Yeah. yeah. Razors and razors. Razors <laughs> and, and razors. <laughs> Look, I go to. I only go to one bar but when I when I hit Philly. I hit C's and we right over there, like. You won't even know it wasn't my same bar, but like uh, sometimes I'd be like, "Yo, listen, see, I might have to figure out how to come I gotta back go to here twice gotta, a week." I gotta get a cut in Philly because you know they they do they do the beers justice. Yo, right. my, my, my barber cut my joint down. I was, like, was kind of yeah, he violated shit, but it's all right. We, we coming back. Coming back. You coming back. You coming back. Two weeks. I'm gonna put you on with C's next time we in Philly. Oh, that's what he made. That's one or two. Oh, you you cutting too? Yeah, yeah. Yo, he was talking. He talked about the barber shop. I heard him say it, so I knew the cuts was coming through. Yeah, so that's what I did. Discounts. Guys next door, we coming for the cut. <laughs> I, I went to the corner block and my homie just came from jail. Another friend of mine from in that neighborhood. He's like, yeah, why don't you come in here and cut hair? Did you so, ever cut in jail? I cut raisin comb. My own stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had the waves flowing and all that stuff like that then. So um, I was he like, I always wanted to throw that out. He you heard, to, you heard it, right? You heard it? Because I was going to ask him. I said, nah, I ain't, no, ain't put the do-rag on last night. Like, like, they did. Yeah, it's just spinning. It's just spinning. They, they, they they no do-rag. I don't even really do that, you know? He said, but, you, you heard it. He's like, yeah, I had the ways, I had the ways. <laughs> all right, so um, basically, when I went down there, I was like, okay, cool. So I asked my man who owned the shop, like, yo, Jazz, you know, can I get a chair? He's like, yeah, get a chair. No problem. Get the stuff. So no application. All right. No certification. No certification, no background check, none of that stuff. None I mean, of the bullshit you have to worry exactly. about working for, quote, unquote. And now, was, yeah, how, how intrusive or how invasive is your parole? Like, do they... Are they checking in on you every five minutes no. trying to make sure? Okay. No, see, what, what, one thing about parole is that you can dictate your parole by your character. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Because no, I get that. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't expect, I didn't see where you were going with that because right. I know so many people that parole is, is, is a bitch for. It's like, yeah, damn, that, I would sat down. But I also feel like parole is a bitch for people that still want to stay in the streets. Right. That's what it is. That's what it's a bitch because you want to do X, Y, and Z and you can't, but you think you can. But that's that's yeah. when your parole turns out. You make one little mistake, and it's like, what what you doing? But when you go on a straight and narrow path, and you and you lead it towards the like light, you, said, you dictated right. he, he di- you dictated by your his ease was getting that legit I job. Had, I had ten different parole officers the only time I was out. Ten different ones. I mean, so the whole thing is like one to the other. Like you ain't got to worry about Will. You ain't got to worry about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I was boxing and everything. Come to Atlanta City fighting. I mean, in Bali's. I was the only thing. Have no problem. As long as you don't get in no trouble, you cool. Traveling right. down Atlanta, you don't have to trouble, you cool. So it's like you dictate it, I mean, based on your character. And like I said, if a person want to be on getting high or want to do sell drugs or hustle, it's going to be a problem. Parole going to be a problem. Because the parole officers, they got 10, 15 people they got to oversee. So they, they almost don't want to have yeah, to. No, they, they don't want right. to see, they don't want to have to see you all the right. time. Because it was great, like Star was here, that shit was blowing up. Yeah. You sit on the couch, yeah. we doing the interview, her shit parole off the blowing her shit up. But that's the life that you choose to be around and live in. Right, 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 right. right. It doesn't even have to be her. Yeah, it can yeah, just be her. The company, around, the company right. you keep. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. So that's how it was for me. I mean, I was, it was it was smooth selling for me. So now you're at the barbershop. Now I'm at the barbershop. I'm learning how to cut hair and I, I had to really talk to myself first because I said, now, I don't, I don't tolerate disrespect from no one. My first time really dealing with the public. I mean, and... um. I really have to stay focused, and I want to get this done because now I'm on a mission to to you know take care of myself and my children, and this guy to work for me, right? So I learned to start cutting hair. I'm a, I'm a quick learner, so I start picking up really like doing regular mm-hmm. um, scissors, 
Basically, oh, right, 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 right. How first, how, how I was scared to fade at first. I was about to say, <laughs> look, I cut, I cut for four years, and I could not. I quit because of the fade. I said, no, nah, I can't get. I remember, I remember always getting a season, season, season. Then I went to, I moved to Jersey for a year. He gave me a, a matter of fact. I think I, I went to New, back to New York when I was yeah. living in Jersey. Yeah. Somebody gave me a fade, and I was scared to go to school because you know nobody really had fades in school. Did not have fades. Everybody had a season. And everybody Especially looked at me like this. I'm high, like, by the time you had high school, it was all season. It was all season. You niggas was not having fades. I never had a fade. My mom always. Bald in my shit. Yeah, I, was, I, I always had a dark Caesar. I mean, I had dreads. I had started with dreads and yeah. I had a light Caesar, dark Caesar. And then I got a fade one time. And I was just like, okay, this where we going with it. <laughs> and now, you know. You fade poppy? Yeah. I just, you know. Get faded. <laughs> so, 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 how long did it take you to, to, to perfect the fade? Well, I mean, I tried a few times um, doing it. Then I was like, I was really um, scaring myself. Right. Right. And I was like, man, I'm missing that twenty dollars. Like, I gotta. I that's gotta a get fact. That's, 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 I mean, that's I ain't it. passing it off to somebody. I go to somebody else. No, I ain't doing it no more. I'm gonna keep working it. I'm gonna keep working it until I get it. So I started doing it and cutting it. And then it started coming to me. And I just I practice on my nephews. I mm-hmm. mean, use them up. Go home, practice on them. Then it came. If like you that. could count on, if you could count, how many Zeke's you think you handed out? <laughs> Word. How many pushbacks? Because I know I Zeke though. How, in my day, I know I Zeke though. How many? How many free? How many free fitted you had to buy? Well. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can because I can I can shape up really good. I know how okay. to shape up from razor. Fair, 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 fair. So that wasn't my problem. The problem was just blending hair. And when mm. you have different nationalities coming in your shop, white, Asian, black, you know what I'm saying? It's a whole different hair texture. So you really got to learn the texture more so than the cut. Than the cut. You know what I mean? And, the, and then what clips that you're going to use mm-hmm. to fade it out and bring it out. I mean, so then you, I mean, you. it's good because then you have all nationalities and now you're not cut everybody here. I mean, do, you so. remember, do you remember the cut where you were like, I get it? Like the, the cut where like, I'm nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. When you you have everything and you ain't wasting time. Like I was sweating bullets at some time doing that joint. Like, like you know, you at that point, you never know you finish. Like yes. You start like, yes. I, don't, I don't know if I'm finished yet. I don't know if I'm finished. You said it to yourself and he's like, are you nervous? Now the person know you're nervous. So it was like. I had the biggest, I had the biggest drug dealer. Who here I was cutting in Virginia. And I said, why the fuck would they send him to me? Like the it, shout out to Rick, shout out to Capital Cuts, everybody on Granby Street who fucked with me. I appreciate y'all. Um, because I was down there, but in, in the Navy, so I was cutting here. I'm like, I gotta do something to remind me at home. I'm going to barbershop. So I'm cutting here and there, and the owner Rick is like, he that's who usually cuts the, the drug dealer here, right? So he like, yo, New York got you. I'm like, what? Nah, son, nah. All he wanted was a quick shape up before the club. Right. I'm like, this nigga already has a shape up. Mm-hmm. He was just here two days ago. So he come to me, he like, yo, you got me, right? I'm like, I'm about to die today. <laughs> I shaped this nigga here up for 45 minutes. Wow. I'm like, all right, all right. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, the thing that caught him off guard was I just kept talking shit. Uh-huh. Like, we were just laughing, joking, da da da. So by the time he, he thought he was keeping me long. Nigga, I'm in there sweating. I'm like, Phew. he's like, yo, let me see what I look like. He said, nigga, I could have been done 15 minutes ago. I said, I just want to make sure. Uh, I didn't want to die today. <laughs> <laughs> I want to die. But shout out to Capital Cuts by the time that there. But yeah. that, that, from niggas who ever cut hair, I don't care professionally, or, you never think you're done when you don't know what you're doing. You right. never think you're done. You right. just, oh, shit. 
you know, let me run that back. To the point where, like, when my barber do shit, I'd be like, oh, nigga, you already did that. What the fuck you keep going back for? <laughs> so they pushing it back. <laughs> keep tapping that same spot. <laughs> you keep tapping that same spot and doing that little bat, cone. Bat, bat, uh, bat, uh, nigga, you don't push bat, bat, my shit back, That's right? how it sounds, bat, 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 And you could tell it was getting back because you had a little more, nigga. Nigga, that was more hair that was dead. Just let me go. Facts. Let me go. So so you now you're at the barbershop, and then this is when I want to start talking about um, your partner. Mm-hmm. What, what's his name? Uh, Kadir. Kadir. Yeah. So that is the brother of, of the man you, you killed in 88 or 89. 89. Yeah, yeah. 89. Now, <laughs> from my research and, and talking to people around Philly, they're telling me he was he the whole time you were locked up. He's looking for you. Mm-hmm. He is holding his grudge as anybody would. You know, I'm avenging right. my brother, but really it amped up once you came home. Like he was, mm-hmm. you you could tell a story. Like I said, I, I found out through research, but you could right. tell a story better. And if and by far by by all means, if you want to call him up and um we get his part as well. But okay. how was it going? How, how talk to us about that? Okay, so um. I was in the shop. This happened in 2015. So I was in the shop since 2001. So now this is something that's been dragged on. This is what 2015. Where what? How old? Are we? That's almost 20. That's 25 years. So this is something that he's been dealing with for 25, 25 years. years. This is a 25 year ongoing thing. Right. So um, I kind of knew of him. Mm-hmm. Right. And when the first when the incident first happened in '89, I knew he had a brother. And um, his brother was tough. Tough in the streets. Yeah, he had a name. He had a reputation on the streets mm-hmm. too, as well. So fighting, stabbing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they somebody. came from a lineage from yeah. the, the father to the son. Right, right. exactly. So um, now it's, it's it's for him. It's definitely you gotta revenge your brother's death. That's, Absolutely, that's the name. Like on the streets, like you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna be you gonna be mud on the and, street. And they come from a family. Right, they come from family, a, friends, everybody black. around. Them. I'm saying they come from a yeah, a black, lineage that was a black of mafia, gangster shit. So it's like right. you gotta handle your business. Right, exactly. Right. So. Um, There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. At the while when he was he was he got locked up too. When I was I first came home, I think in, in when I came home in '98, in the Harvey House, he got locked up. Okay. So he did like probably five years for assault. Or something. Okay. Then he was in jail. From what he was telling me, he was in jail. He was talking to people about, all right, I'm going to get Will when I come home, et cetera, et cetera. So some of the dudes in jail was like, yo, man, just go talk to Will. Dude you can talk to. You can go just rap to him. Man, he's a cool dude. You know what I mean? So you see stuff because all the, in the papers, I'm in the front page of Delhi News and you know, inside the papers, they get that in jail. Some people are reading stories. They get inspired by my story. Oh, with your activism. Yeah, with activism. Wow. I mean, so people telling them, like, and, then, and then ironically, how I go full circle is that when I was in Greater for it, 
the imam at the time, a brother named Taho, right? He became my personal mentor, mm-hmm. right? He got he had life in prison. He became my personal mentor. And when the first article came out about me in the front page of the Dung News telling my story, the aunt came to the barbershop. And when she came to the barbershop, she was fully guard. So mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't recognize mm-hmm. her because I knew her when I was a kid. She was like, um, you know who I am? I was like, nah, who are you? I thought she was like somebody, some of the kid's mom or something that came to get a haircut or something. She said, no, I'm D. So when she said her name and I looked at her, I said, oh, okay. I said, how you doing, Ms. D? How you doing? And she's like, no, I forgive you, you know, for what? You know, Toho told me to come around here and talk to you, I mean, about the story and tell you I forgive you. Because I read the article in the paper. She had the paper in her hand. I was like, Toho? She said, yeah, I married Toho. Toho, my husband. So she married the lifer in jail. Sheesh. And he told her, like, when she see the paper, she said, that's the guy who you know, killed my nephew. And he was like, well, that's the kid I mentored when he was upstate. I mean, that's my, that's Latisse. That's Will. He's a good dude. Go talk to him. So he told her to come around and talk to me. That's how me and I had a conversation. Right. And she forgave me first. All right. So while he in jail, he ran into people. And was like, yo, Will, cool dude. So he come home. He's still, he's still. That on probably got to be worse. Right. Like. Hmm. You're, you're, you're harboring these ill feelings for this person who genuinely did something wrong, right? right? Like, it doesn't, that's why I operate the way I operate because, like, I know in my mind, no matter how much good I do in my life and people surrounding me, I still did those terrible things I did. Right. And that's why I'm always on, on, on point. On point because, mm-hmm. like, just because I'm doing better now don't right. mean, don't mean they are, they, or they, they forgive they you. They forgave right. me. You right. feel what exactly. I'm saying? So exactly. it's like, and, and like, I, me and Ryan, we're, we're like these very weird people because like we understand why somebody wouldn't forgive us. Just like we understand why we don't forgive people. Right. So it's like to to have these very very real feeling like somebody did something wrong to you, mm. and they are wrong. But now they are, you are visually seeing them like succeed and mm. and and you're hearing Prosper, all these good wrong, things yeah. about them. Yeah. It gotta be terrible. Like it has to be terrible because now it's like. You're surrounded by so many people showing love to this person that did something mm-hmm. wrong to you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's got to be like a personal hell to live in. Right. Like, I can't right. even right. imagine. Right. And that's why I respected him that on that level. I mean, because if it was me, I wouldn't have did the same thing. You know, so when he out there, he came home, he was still like coming to the shop. And he had, he had be in the shop. I don't even know he in the shop, but he'd be in the shop with me. Because you never seen him. I never seen him. Mm. Right. And... Another ironic thing is that the owner of the shop is actually the cousin of his of his own. So the owner of the shop, that's not Jazz. That's Jazz. That's Jazz. So Jazz is the cousin of Kadir. It's Terrence, his brother. His bro- oh, they have different fathers. Yeah, different Okay, fathers. okay. So the cousin of the man you slain. Right. Okay. And then Kadir is coming to the shop and you've never seen him. And right. nobody's giving you a heads up. Right. Mm-hmm. Are they not giving you a heads up because they're scared of what could happen? Are they not giving you a heads up because they're figuring? Yeah, like, I think so. Oh, you gotta know this. Yeah, I think so. I think so. that's the the thing was they don't see they didn't know how to take me. Period. Because I ain't I ain't know jazz when I was young. Gotcha. Right. He ain't know me before I came into the barbershop. So a lot of dudes don't know. They don't know me, what you. Period. Yes. Not not even saying what you're capable of. They just don't. They just don't know. They don't know shit. how to respond. All they know is this nigga put in work back in the day. Right back. He did he did a dime. He back here. Cutting hair. Cutting hair. We, we probably don't. look 
the part. You probably yeah. we don't know his reaction. Yeah. So you like we don't know his reaction. We don't know his anything. Body. And we like, don't like we say home. And we don't want to start something that doesn't have to be anything. So right. we just at the end of the day, stay out of it. If it happens, it happens. But I have nothing but to do. But you're putting it. so much trust in. And like I said, I, I've never, I haven't, I haven't had the pleasure of speaking to Kadir yet. Right. But it's like at that moment. You're putting a lot of faith in Kadir not set, setting shit you off. You put a lot of faith in both of them. Right. Well, he don't know. But right. I'm saying, you also know he's coming, but you're not telling him. That's what so I'm saying. So you're putting faith in him, too. You're putting more faith in Kadir because you're like, all right, Kadir, you know this is my people's shop. This is how we all make money. Hmm. Don't make a hot... Basically, what you're saying, like, right. and you're putting a lot of faith in him because you're not telling him. Because right. that that faith would be evened out. It would be on both sides if, if he, knew. he was aware. You get right. what I'm saying? Right. So, I mean, shout right. out to everybody involved for... Yeah. Exactly. Keeping that for however long it happened. Mm. So when do you finally find out, or when well, do y'all come face to face well, we to come, face? We come face to face. One morning I, I happen to go to the shop, and I normally don't come to the shop like eight thirty, nine o'clock. So I come there for some reason early that day, and um, I'm on a station. Only me and Chuck. Now Chuck is the other barber that you see in the documentary. Yes, Chuck is the guy who actually mediated the whole thing, right? Because he was coming to see Chuck. Because him and Chuck was childhood friends, even though Jazz was the cousin. But him and Chuck was childhood friends together, him and Cartier. So they having conversations outside the shop, basically. Telling like, yo, this, do this and do that, change this and that. And um, when you watch the Behind the Bullet documentary, you'll hear more about what Chuck said about the situation. But um, he came in the shop that morning, and I thought he was a customer. Like, yo, let me talk to you for a minute. I was like, all right, give me a minute because I'm fixing my stuff. He's like, no, I want to talk to you. So when I turned around, I looked at him. I was like, what's up? He's like, um... I forgive you. Mm. And when he said those words, I knew exactly it's who he was. It's 2015. 2015. It's 25 years later. I mean, so I was like, hey, I said, all right, man. I said, I appreciate that, bro. I said, thank you. I mean, just to show the humbleness in me. Right? I started saying, like, I don't care about that. I mean, walking away. <laughs> so I like, Which no. is real. Right. I, I got a question. So from the first apology from the father, mm. who you, you said it wasn't a genuine. Right. Was this a genuine, I forgive you? Definitely. I okay. looked him in his eyes, I mean, and his whole expression showed me that. You know, so um, I took him in the back of the shop and said, let's sit down, let's talk about this. You know, because I know you got some questions, I mean, and everything else. And he's like, no, I want to know what happened, what's going on. I mean, I still didn't say what happened, basically, but he understood the fact that he did wrong growing up, hurt people. I mean, and that's the kind of climate we grew up in, basically, but it was all ignorance upon ignorance, and nobody wins in this situation. If you kill me, then you think somebody gonna kill you or kill your family? It don't end that I mean, way. It don't end. It never ends. But this is the way we both wins. It's a cycle. This is this is this is the way this it's can win-win. end. Yeah, yeah. it's a win-win for us. You know, so um, he understood that, and I like understood where he's coming from too as well. Even still making adjustments because you can't like you can't be around me all the time. You can be around me sometimes, but right. sometimes he feels some type of way, and I understand. I had to empathize with that. Understand that. And you, you're talking about like. Even after y'all relationship now, yeah, afterwards, yeah, because this is what we're in 2019, so this is four years, yeah, four years, yeah. It's still, there's still, I mean, they say time heals all, but at the same time, memories still pop yeah, up, right. vision like, still happens. It doesn't healing very rarely, and and this is just me being who I am. I know everybody's gonna say, Mouse, you're so extra, you're pessimist. Healing rarely is ever 100%, absolutely, right? Like, mm. I haven't ran in. A month, right? This week will be, or whenever this comes out, the this week y'all hearing this episode is my first week back to running. I hurt my leg a month ago. Mm. My leg can run. I will run fine. I can do five miles. It's a mental thing. 
No, no, no. There's literally oh, a bone no. spur right here. Mm -hmm. But I can put pressure on. I can run. I'm good. I'm working out. But I'm healed. But there's a, a, a forever lasting thing right here. Mm -hmm. Right? You look at my whole body. I mean, it, it's... You look at my whole body, you're, you, if you're in my circumference, you can look and see, oh, he got scars all over this right here, right? this this scar right here. I'm my, I'm 100% healed. But it's still but something it's a scar. there. Still you get what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah. so like, heal, time heals all wounds. That means the wound is healed. That don't mean the memories ain't there. That don't mean the feelings ain't there. That don't mean that and you just never, you just never know how a person wakes up that day. Right. Every day is different. Right. I could be happy. Me and you as best friends. Then I could wake up one morning like, damn, this nigga really did my man. It don't, it could be any situation. Oh, any situation. But what I'm saying is like, some point. at yeah. some point, in time it's like, yeah, we friends, but I remember that day. Like you, you took my lunch money. We was in third grade. Like I'm, I'm tight about that. And that, and I think going towards me and you, and I, you know, I don't believe in this airy whatever. The, the some moonshot. Yeah. I don't believe in that. But that's something that me and you share similar because I can see. Even before we became as close as we are now, I, it was evident that you moved like me. So it's like, oh, okay, me and Ryan are very intentional. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we intentionally don't do wrong by each other or the rest of our friends. Because I never want you to ever be in a situation where you're like, damn. He did that. that nigga, you can't ever say that. Right. Me right, and Ryan do right, right by you. We right. do right by each other. We do right by everybody in this room. So it's like. I'd rather you know what I'm doing from jump, right? Then, then have some hidden behind secrets. But even when it comes to hurt, like I speak about this a lot, emotional pain. When it comes to that, a lot of us have self-inflicted emotional pain. Wow, from expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I, I guess, right. and I think that's how we we've learned to grow to not expect not things. expect nothing. Right. We will tell you right. every. We'll, we've been saying this since the day. I go into every situation with zero expectation. Right. It could be a contract in front of me. Mm. I don't care what this contract stipulates. Mm. I have no expectations until it's after it's done. Right. So exactly. once it could say, hey, you sign this contract and every day on the 30th, you're going to get $3 million. I will not expect $3 million to the 31st. Right. So, that no. is when it's in my so team. That's when I expect it. Right. When, oh, I got it. Oh, okay. I don't expect it because that's right. the easiest way for you to be disappointed. Then when, especially as we grew up, we've we've always in as as black people, we've always been disappointed. Right. So that's where it really starts and off. Then at. That, exactly. And then I believe the reaction, and you could probably speak to it more. Well, the reaction to our disappointment leads us to the situation that we find ourselves in. Exactly. That's just how I believe. Right. No. Like even if you could break it down, have you looking at from from whatever way the the reaction to being disappointed of not having a father can lead you to being in the street the reaction to not having emotional um intelligence like you said before um could lead you to make terrible decisions lifelong terrible decisions mm -hmm. a series of them that'll put you in a cycle of just being on the wrong side of things so it's 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 well, see the reality is that everything we do is based on emotion mm. right that is the motivating factor behind your action. The thought. Even if it's like avoiding emotion? Yeah. The, yeah okay. You can't avoid emotion because you're still emotion. You're being numb. You're numbing yourself. Right. So if you're numb, <laughs> you're not experiencing the emotion, right? No, you're experiencing you experience some kind of emotion. But you're but just you, numb to it. See, what emotion is, and you break it down, emotion is actually the action. Feelings is what you have inside of you. See, they're the same coin. Their emotions and their feelings. Feelings is what you, you're like, anger is an emotion. 
right? Okay. But what you're feeling inside is um, depressed or 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 embarrassed mm-hmm. or, or or something else. So the it's feeling usually leads to the emotion. Right. The feeling leads to the emotion. Okay. That creates the action. Mm. So what is to be said about people like me and Ryan where somebody where like somebody close to us would say and it doesn't always have to be like a romantic relationship just like my mama said says it and mm-hmm. stuff where somebody says you're unemotional right. so then what is that what is that if somebody is being unemotional mm-hmm. or somebody is deemed as unemotional what's that well I understand because I mean even to deal with life in itself like like you say you lose a, a best friend uh, you get um, physically abused by someone, so you go through all these things. So you try to avoid, you try to dehumanize yourself, so you won't feel. You won't feel, but at the same time, you're feeling. Even in not, you're feeling something. Feeling, you're feeling. That's the reason so. why you're acting the way you're acting. That's why you're responding to it because you're feeling something. Hmm. Right, but they say you're emotionless. A person may say you're emotionless because, or you're, you're numb because you're not responding to them. Hmm. But you're responding to yourself. Your body reacts to that. See, it's all connected. Like everything. Like when we be quiet. Like when we get quiet. Yeah, and don't everything's talk connected. About nothing. Okay. And within the, within the quietness, you can't you can't have sound without the silence. <laughs> nah, you just broke me. Wait, yeah, what? Yeah, he, he, say that. Say that one more time. You can't have sound without the silence. Explain that. I I, I get it. Right. But I, I got to hear that explained because that's a ball. Like, what? What the parallel, like, life is in, in parallel. Everything is created in twos. Yeah. You have night and day. You have up and down. You right, have right, right and left. Duality. Everything. Yeah, duality. Yeah. Exactly. So even with that, within the space makes the sound. Even in the, in the piano, keys, guitar, music, within the space there is a sound created. So the even sound, in the quiet, silence, you the can silence, hear yeah. that little... Something. Like we can't describe it, but everybody knows it's the still ring. A, it's still it a sound. The yeah, the the ring that that right. ringing sound, even in dead in silence. Dead right. the ring. That's crazy. And it's it's the truth. Yo, why are you so smart, yo? Self-educated. <laughs> smart, yo. Yo, like you just gotta ask people sometimes. Penn State, like, yo, yo, Penn State. Friend of well, State actually, Penn. really, um, the school of hard knocks because after I really got my education on the street. Right. Most of anywhere else. Right. The prison was just the start of it. Right. But when I came home, I continued. You furthered your education. I got my keys. You know what my keys are? What keys do? Open, Open doors. doors. Right. So the acronym for keys, what I teach in my classes, K-E-Y-S. Keep educating yourself. Sheesh. Nah, son. I'm 30 years old. It's mad never, tattoos never, I'm about yeah. to get. Tattoos, son. <laughs> I'm about I can't to get wait new to get tats. Yo, it's about to be lit up in here, son. I should just have your own. That's little... why we got to bring the message to the people, man. We got to bring that's the why, message. That's why it was so important. That's right. why when K Walk hit me, and I know everybody's going to feel the way, like, oh, I've been hearing you about. Yeah, it's all right. It just wasn't like, important. It just, it, this was important. This isn't a message right. that Philly's literally like my second home. Like, right. love Philly. Shout out to Corey Towns, Chris Thomas, uh, Bino French, everybody down there. Like, so when I reached out and everybody was like, oh, that's the bull that, yeah, 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 he, 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 hunted, he hunted, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. And then just did my research on story. I'm like, we got to hear this. Like, this is. Absolutely. You got to hear a this. A lot of people, a lot of people get offended, like you said, because mm-hmm. they reach out and they want to be honest. But it's not about you just coming to talk to us. If you can't teach our listeners, if you can't teach me nothing, I really don't want to have you up here. I really don't want you in a room. Like, because you got to have an intention, right? Yeah. Like our intention was to show to show the full spectrum of a millennial black man, right? right? Right. We don't always have the answers. 
And I think we, me, Ryan, and Mac, we accept that, that we don't always have the answers. And then when you don't, you bring in somebody who does the answers, exactly. the keys, right? Like, if we just want to have a conversation, you can meet up with me anytime. We can talk. But to put on any platform, I, I want to speak for a lot of people that have platforms, to go on anybody's platform, there should always be a lesson at the end of the day. Yeah, you want to bring value. Exactly. Like, if there has to be intent. Like, right. we have our fun episodes. Absolutely. They have an intent. Right. All of them. They're all layered in some type of intent. Nobody just up here and we're just talking into a vacuum and, until somebody and, laughs. And we all understand that everybody's life's lives are different and they feel like they can bring something to the table but sometimes it's just not meant for this table right. it might be another table you could teach a whole bunch of people stuff that doesn't mean that we're, we're not saying your life isn't amazing what you're doing isn't great it's just at the time and the place that we are it's just not the time or the place like this to be spoken. Is super like obviously we're still talking but like just thank you for for coming up here yeah, reaching out i know i'm hard to to keep in contact with i not I'm, hit I'm me up next better. time. You can fix your face. Thank you. <laughs> you um, hit me if you hit me up. Yeah, next hit, time. It, it would have been better hitting Ryan, yeah. but but I was like, but it worked on, out. I was on it. I was like, no, nah, we gotta have we got because I kept doing the research. But see, we didn't really try. I mean, we, we things work like me. I t- I teach not my own my nephew about universal laws, you know, and how that works for you in your favor, basically, and how you can control your own your own destiny, right and. He started using the principles, so you know that's why he's growing now. I mean, in this in this field of work, and in his life. But the thing is, for me, is like purpose. I mean, everything happens for a purpose. I mean, and because something missed you, it doesn't mean it's gonna keep passing you by. And and that's why there was a purpose with you meeting uh, Kadir. Yeah, Kadir. Yeah, exactly. Like no one would have thought in a million years that you would be working side by side right. with someone of the opposite side of what you went through right no i i would never think it that i wouldn't and it, i'm not even calling him your enemy but to him at one point in time you were his enemy of course so to to be able to work with him after that is 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 a testament of because like you see all the time like you see um like the mothers of uh drunk driving victims working with a person who is convicted of drunk driving, but it's not the person that it's not the person that, that killed that kid. their kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's one thing. Because a lot of times you don't even get to see that person anymore. Right. Like that's that's one thing. It's a blessing on its own that right. we're able to sit next to you. But and to, you, you've to, been to out sit of directly prison. to sit in, in 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 such close confines with somebody on the direct opposite side of something. I could already tell when choice. when y'all talk to people, it brings it brings a story more to life. Right. Because it's not. Oh, I'm a victim of of this crime, and this person is on the opposite side. They're a family member of somebody that lost on this side of crime. This is one story we're telling. Mm-hmm. This is one not. This is one complete story. This is how I was feeling at this moment. This is how I was feeling at this moment. We came together to educate others on how to how to break things down in that situation. And that's what I want to talk about. So y'all get y'all meet y'all speak y'all go in the back room y'all go in the back room. And and have and break bread and whatever is said in that moment it is private to that moment, but y'all come out immediately. I come out in this unified way, uh, or was it okay? You forgive me, I forgive you. What is the what's that connecting factor where you guys are like where you guys become what was friends? The, yeah, brothers? what was the next steps to that? Well, see, the thing was that after he said he forgave me. Right, and I accepted it. Like you know, and I thanked him for it. You know, his coverage for doing that too, because we know where we come from, the confounds we come from, and how the the attitude and mentality is. 
And he was like, yo, man, he said, a whole relief was let off my shoulder. You know, he said, I'm like, all this is off my shoulder now. So now I can just kind of move forward and live my life better than I've been living it. I mm-hmm. mean, medication, drugs, all this stuff like that. I mean, it's just that he was using the substance to really cope with the loss of his brother and his mother, you know. So um, I said, look, this is, a, this is a great idea to share this with some of my media friends, you know, um, the story, because there's no story like that, especially in the city of Philadelphia, we average 300-something murders a year. You know, this story needs to be told. I mean, we went against the grain as far as the streets. Absolutely. The street no pun absolutely. intended, because y'all was in the barbershop. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, right? Right, right, you're an excellent podcast. Like, you know, so, I'm trying. I, mean, I had to make sure he was comfortable enough to even share the story to the media and to expose it to the world, and even to some of his family members who probably wasn't okay with that, right. or some of his friends who wasn't okay with him doing that, because they expected him to do something different. Different. You know, and he's like, I gotta be a man for myself first and foremost, you know, and I had to come to a point where as though, I mean, I ain't trying to be in jail for the rest of my life, you know, or has something happened to me. You know, so you come to an age in life when you mature, you grow, you learn. I, I have people I shot at. I mean, almost took somebody's life. He's a cop now, this dude. He's a cop now. He comes back to the barbershop all the time. Wait, hey, what's up? How your family doing? So I know that he just just do his actions. Same, yeah, same I shit. Mean, same shit. I look at that and like, yo, I could have just took this dude's life, man, for nothing, basically. I mean, so there's mad people that like there's mad people I I did stuff to that's like like you said in a sense forgiving me and, and show love now right um it's a point where people have to understand they're, they're actually proud of where you came but I can't I I'm, I can't like all of the people that ever did something to me it's still an issue like it's still when I see this nigga don't speak to me don't come too close to me I don't want to I like I've literally see, left forgiveness the, is not really. Forgiveness is not just having a relationship with the person. Forgiveness is part is more so like, all right, I'm a I'm a I'm a debt that you know? I'm gonna let it go. I mean, you spend I'm there. You, I'm there I'm where I'm like it's not an issue no do more. Do it again. Right. I'm not gonna allow you to do it again to me or even come that, close that enough. close to me. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Because even you might know people you grew up with you're not close with anyway. That's a fact. I mean so And they ain't do nothing to you, it's exactly, just you know, grew up. Just not close with them, just not connected to that person. So even with that person, it's like most of all right, it's cool, whatever it is, I'm, I'm done with you. I mean, I can still probably speak to you, say what's up, what's going on, but I, I mean, I'm not allowing you. Now it's my fault if I allow you to do the same thing to me again. It's my fault. I mean, so the reality is that you get over that part, whereas though you can continue to move on your life. You know what I'm saying? Move forward in your life. And that's what we have done. Like even sometimes me and Carter together, I forget about the whole story. I forget about even what happened. You I mean, didn't see a friend. Yeah, see as a friend. I mean, basically. Like even some of the friends, like I did stuff too. When I see him on the street playing ball with him, busting it up, what's up with your kids, man? How your son doing? You know, we doing good. And like when that state of ignorance we was when we was teen child, children and teenagers, like we knew we was all in a state of ignorance. We knew we was taught wrong. We knew we was taught backwards. We were just surviving. Yeah, we surviving. The best I You also gotta understand what you was doing. Like there's that's, a street that's there's more a, or less where I'm there's at. a street code there's to a code, it. Though. And we were playing a certain once game. Once you enter that game, right. that playing field. You can't be. A, I mean, you could be upset and yeah. that, but you can't. Yeah, you can't take. I'm better than you, and we was doing the same thing. Right. No, you and, were shooting, and I, I was shooting. The deer shows that more than anyone I've ever met or seen, even myself. Because, like I said, I know I'm. I know I was playing a game, but I don't give a fuck. You tried to do something to me. You tried to make me lose the game, and now I'm mad. You like you know what I'm saying? Like you tried to make me lose. Nah, fuck out of here. Um. So now, like that, that's just this, this is just an amazing story. So, what was the first, um, what was the first public thing, or what was the first act that y'all did to show the world this? Well, we did the story with the Daily News and Fox News, and um, 
actually Daily News brought it out first. Mm-hmm. It was on the front page. And then he was getting a lot of calls. Yo, you on the front page? And people was calling me. Yo, you on the front page? A great story, et cetera, et cetera. Then Fox News did the, um, actually the aftermath of that when we was actually going to schools and speaking in different places and holding programs in the community. And they showed like really the activism. So he had, he was never in activism, so he had to get involved in it some kind of way. So I had to teach him, take him out speaking and stuff like that. So Does he practice um, Islam as well? Yeah, yeah, he must him too. So um, basically, um, that first we started doing, then we started a, a mentoring program in the barbershop. So I started mentoring young men and women in barbershops and salons. And I got a few men in the community to join in with us to actually do that. I mean, share your skills, share your talent, give back, especially those who, you know, without their hustling, selling drugs and doing this and like YZ. Like, you got children now. I mean, just give back to these children who don't have parents in their life or fathers in their life or have direct guidance. You know, so we did the mentoring program. We had like 50 kids come to the barbershop every Monday uh, and working with them and teaching them. And I had other guys coming from uh, different acts. Like, even the dude um, from The Wire, he came, um, the cop boy played in The Wire. He came into McNulty? Not McNulty, the other light-skinned one, the big heavy-set one. Oh, Wendell Pierce. Wendell, yeah. Mm-hmm. He came, he talked to the kids for us. We had a guy from the Philadelphia Black Orchestra talk to the kids. We had like different people from different aspects of life and different fields of life come talk to the kids to discover what they may want to do in their life when they get older. You know, so that program went for like six years because um, it started before me and Cardia thing, but um, we stopped the Cardia, created a group called RFP, which means Redemption, Forgiveness, and Peace. So Chuck played the peace part because he was like the immediate, mm-hmm. and then you know redemption forgiveness. forgiveness that's right. too, you know. So we created that, and that's what people I see people need in their life. They need to redeem themselves from things they haven't done to people, and they also need to forgive um, people that hurt them as well, and then to create that peace within themselves. But I understand that a lot of people are at war with themselves, mm. so they don't have peace within themselves, and what's inside of you will come out. Just like an orange, if you squeeze an orange, will come out of an orange. The inside. Orange juice, yeah. right? Not apple juice, not grape juice, <laughs> but orange juice. Right. So same thing with people. When life squeezes you, what comes out of you is really what's inside of you. And that's what you got to know. This becomes self-aware. More self-awareness comes. Then you know how to manipulate that and control yourself and create your best reality. So what is the overall message? Um, well, what is the overall goal? And the overall message that you and Kadir, um, but since you're here, that you that you're, you're you want to see from your activism. What do you want the people like me, like Ryan, um, the young bulls coming up in Philly? Mm-hmm. What is it that you want them to uh, grasp hold of most? Self. I want them to grasp grasp hold of self and understanding their true their true gifts and talents. I mean, it's not being like everybody else, not letting the world dictate who you are, but being able to control and dictate who you want to be in life, basically. So even with me and Cardia's story, and that is like for the streets, letting people know in the streets that whatever city you're in and you're going through this gang violence and shooting and killing, it's like the streets lie to you. I mean, the streets is an ultimate liar. So don't believe the streets, believe in yourself and start focusing on what you can become I mean, that's to be a contribution to the world, not taken away from the world. And uh, we're going to share that pretty soon. We got a project we're working on. It's a, it's a big project. Um, I don't want to share it because I'm a right. producer. I just left right, right, right. earlier today. Mm-hmm. But um, we got a big project that we're working on. Uh, well, listen, if you, need, if you need our help in any way. Anyway, we're here. I, I can speak for the whole team. We'll be there. Okay. Um, regardless, however it needs to go down. Um, thank you. Thank you. Mm. 
Um, I know he's not here, but thank Kadir as well. Right. Um, thanks to Kay Walker for reaching out and making this happen. And like, just thank you like mm -hmm. for just being able to be you and come up here and share your story. Right. Um, and just, I say this all the time to, to people who've been in any situation, like just thank you for continuing to live mm -hmm. because you could have easily essentially stopped living. Like you could have just said, you know, I'm a, I'm a be in jail. That's where I'm going to be at. Right. And your story wouldn't be here today to change lives. Right. So um, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks nah, for sharing your platform. This definitely, uh, especially for me at Mouse, when it comes to forgiving, it, it's kind of put me in a better place of understanding myself. Right. And uh, maybe, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to reach out to people that I need to forgive. Right. But <laughs> when it comes to them. I was I, scared. I was like, right. Yeah, no, 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 no. Because I ain't calling them. I'm not, call, I'm not calling them, <laughs> but it's, it's more about me and not them. Right, exactly. Like, it. It doesn't matter if they don't forgive me. If I can forgive someone mm -hmm. and I don't put pressure to them when I see them, mm -hmm. it's more of me just just them letting know that just let it go. Because right. at certain parts of time, you got to let things go. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't be hurt by someone or just let him like I can. You can do whatever you want to me. Of course, I will never let that happen again, like you said. But at the end of the day, I'll, I'll give people a chance for me just not to have an action or a reaction to something they might do. Right. I think that's... I think that's all that needs to be said. Um, you know what? We have you here. We we've been deep for two episodes. Let's let's lighten it up just a little bit. Um, here on the guy next door, we do something called the get the draws playlist. <laughs> get the what? Get the draws playlist. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's just a playlist that you just add a song to. Mm -hmm. That if it played while you're setting the mood, panties are dropping. Okay. Just add one song. Well, you know, you can add two songs, is it? Because because your story is well worth it. Okay. Um, so let's start with you. What are you adding to the playlist? And this playlist lives on. Uh, so so shout out to y'all. Y'all y'all be loving this playlist. Uh, y'all nasty asses. Shout out to y'all. So uh, you can find a playlist on title. You can find a playlist on Spotify. You can find a playlist on Apple Music. Um, so. Well, what you putting on the playlist? So I'm I'm from old school, so I'm definitely gonna put LTD Love Ballads on it. <laughs> okay, okay, that's the shit, boy. Sure. Jeffrey Osborne, boy. Yes, indeed. Okay, and then what's the second one? And my second one is um, uh, Ozzy Brothers. I gotta like. Mm, which one? You gotta pull um, what Ozzy Brothers? Is I want. Let me know. Um, Ooh. Yeah, let me know. Sure. Right. That's, <laughs> that's a hard act to follow. I'm not even going to lie to you. Mm. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my, my guy. My man, Barry White. I'm going to go back to my man, Barry. Are we staying old school today? I'm going to go old, old school. school. I'm, right. I'm going to go... Uh, You've been in a Barry White bag now. Yeah, you know, he, yeah, he, 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 you know, he been, he been, he been, he been moving some souls. You know, I'm gonna go. Um, you're the first, the last, my everything, my everything, <laughs> everything. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say if we're keeping it in the old school bag. Nigga made me sweat. That was a point. Yo, that me. was yo two Ooh. back to back joints. He backed out <laughs> fire. That's oh, it. Shorty, even if she don't know the song, she's like, you know, just mm, just whatever, serenade, whatever you want to do. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm. It's it's in the Isley Brothers. Uh, 
wave. Um, it's actually a flip of Isley Brothers song, um, "Footsteps in the Dark," which is responsible for all our favorite samples, uh, "Between the Sheets," "Good," uh, all that shit. Um, I'm gonna do "Thundercat." Oh, uh, not old school, but I get it. But you because it's the it's the flip of that "Footsteps in the Dark" I record. Get, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, that's a record though. That's a record. Um. Uh, I should probably say the name, right? Yeah, I was, I, I was, I was waiting for you. To I was. I'm thinking. I keep song. saying, "What is this shit called?" My bad. He don't even know. I know the song. It's all right. It's all right. He don't know, y'all. It's called "Them Changes." Shut up. He don't know. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Uh, them changes, Thundercat. Um. Wow, we got an episode, and we got two fire, two fire ass records or to get the drawers playlist. Yeah. We can't ask for more. Um. Well, one more time, tell the people where they can support your business. Come get a cut by you if they in Philly. Uh, follow you, support. Uh, the two documentaries, one Emmy Award winning. How did that feel? How did that feel winning an Emmy for your well, story? Well, man, you know it was it was it was really good um, to hear that to hear that we won because I knew the story was good anyway. It was great, but I just didn't know how um, the world would accept it. Basically, but um, when she called me and told me that it won. She didn't even show up. Joyce Evans, who right, was the, um, right, right. the producer, and she was like, "I was." She was on. She didn't expect to win either, because you know those kind of Emmy awards is kind of hard. So uh, she told me about it. it. Was I was excited about it? It was real good. Now, now I know I can take it to another level, another mm-hmm. platform, you know, and tell people about the story. So once it got out, they put it on YouTube, and uh, people started watching it. It went viral when they put it on Fox News right, anyway. Right. So I knew it was a very important subject. Uh, that people wanted to hear and see for themselves, but um, yeah, it, it felt really good. It felt really good to know that. So now, like the other projects, now it's, it's on to the next project, right? And um, hopefully, it's the next um, documentary. Even though it's just me and three other people in the Behind the Bullet mm-hmm. documentary, but a lot of people do connect and relate to Absolutely. my section of the movie because I'm the only one who went to jail, mm-hmm. and I'm the only one who really seemed like they transformed mm-hmm. themselves. Both sides, uh, yeah. So. Um, and then where else could they find? Where else could they uh, find you? You can support? find me um, on, uh, like I said, on my page, Will Little. Uh, the other ones are filled up. So I just that one, Will Little. Um, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn under Will Latif Little. You can find me on Instagram under Latif L A T I F underscore Musin M U H S I N. You can find me on Instagram under Mister M R Poetry Emotion. Uh, you can also find me uh, where else? Uh, you can find me on Amazon. Uh, find a documentary on Amazon Prime, and uh, Fandango, and, and YouTube, and PlayStation, and uh, Vudu. You can also find my book on Amazon.com. Uh, I see why Life and Times of Will Little, or you can order it from me directly. Get your signed copy, and um, you can email me at litwilly l i t t w i l l i at aol dot com if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, and uh, we can talk then. Basically. That's all. And if they're in Philly, where can they come get yeah, a cut? In Philly, oh, you can, in Philly, come get a cut from Jazz You Up. I don't know how long we'll be doing it. I might retire soon. But, um, <laughs> sure, you, you, can't, you, look, well, the guy that, you got three you can't retire yeah, before I you. I got y'all. You got to come bless y'all. us. Yeah, I got yeah, y'all, yeah, though. Fact. I got y'all. I mean, but 16 for Tasker, Jazz You Up Barbershop in Philadelphia, South Philadelphia area. Uh, zip code 19145. Shout out to everybody in Philly. You know, Philly literally is like my second home. I love Philly. Ryan, you got any church announcement? Anything going on? Uh, We're going to be on the road soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I know Miles about to get on talk his trap karaoke shit. Uh, yeah, Jesus it's about Christ. to happen. So I let me just say it for him. Uh, well, on on October thirteenth, we at the, the Knockdown Center in in Massachusetts. <laughs> October thirteenth, really. <laughs> I'm not, even, I'm not even gonna say Trap, Trap Karaoke, greatest show on earth. Uh, follow at Trap Karaoke on Instagram. Go to www.trapkaraoke.com to see when we are coming to your city. And last but not least, on this issue of Trap Karaoke, I don't book the cities. If you want your city on a tour and you don't see a city on tour, go to www.trapkaraoke.com and sign up for your city. Have enough people hit the city. And then the team will do their best to book a reasonable price venue for you guys. Um, other than that, thank you to Will. Thank you, Kadir. Um, thanks, Kay Walker, for uh, setting us up. Shout out to all of Philly. Like, I can't say enough how much I absolutely love Philly. It is the only other place other than New York City that I would actually live. Um, so shout out to shout, shout You out haven't Philly. been too many places. But That's <laughs> actually a lie now. I've been a few places. <laughs> Niggas is terrible. It's all right. Bro. It's all right. It's just I've been in the Bahamas. Hmm. Respect me. During in the, Canada during the storm. <laughs> son, Niggas just want to get out of the country. Son, it's like you know, you know, a storm Niggas coming to Bahamas. Have, no, so what? No, no. So what? <laughs> I said that after the fact. Dude, like you know, a storm. Coming, I said I had no idea. <laughs> no fucking. It don't matter to me. You check the weather. Nope, nope. Just, nope. Just don't went. check. I checked the flight. That's what I checked. But shout out to that. Um. I think that's it. Now that's that's all the church announcement. Great episode. Um, we thank Will. Um, and if this if this hits you and, and it made you feel that was its purpose, if you see this story and see yourself in it, that was the purpose. Um, and make sure you follow us, guys next door underscore on Instagram. Email us, guys next door one two three at gmail.com. I know, I know, y'all gonna say, why well, say that? And you didn't read a letter. You thought we were going to read one of y'all situationship ass not, not on this We got episode. this man. This, this, <laughs> like, no way, I'm not about to let him see how ignorant y'all ass is. Um, we'll find out on his own. Um, but yeah, shout out to, shout out to y'all. We love Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate neighborhood, y'all. We would not be here without y'all. Um, 500 plus thousand listens. That it's shit like six is now. not. We have six now. But the shit is not. It's not to be played. It's not to be. Um, it's not to be undeserved. Che, what happened? London folk are requesting we do a live show out there. Hey, <laughs> London folk! So you don't got book us. <laughs> it's very uh, easy to do that. Just book us. Uh, shout to the people in London if you want us to book a live show there. Let's do it. Anybody who wants to do a live show, hit the email. Guys next door one two three at gmail dot com. Don't book. Don't email us if you just say, "Hey, we want you to come." How? How? If you're not a person who can afford to book us, do not email us about coming to your city. I'm not interested in taking a road trip. Um, I think that's all we got for today. I'm pretty sure. Che, James, thank you guys for your um your hard work as always. Um, I've been Mouse Jones. I'm Fly Ra. I'm Will Little. And this has been The Guys Next Door. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 